Stories Podcast, your number one show for everything guitar. Yeah, welcome to Guitar Stories Podcast. My name is Dan. And I'm Andy. And we're on a plane on the way to Los Angeles. Yeah, that is Mile High Club in a different way. <laughs> I want to be the first podcast to ever begin on an aeroplane. I think we've nailed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Tom, Tom Quayle told me that he already shot a podcast, but I don't know if the intro did already happen on the plane. I don't know. I don't know, but we're beginning right now. The listener that's listening to this right now, you listening, we're beginning on an airplane. Yeah. And we're on our road to NAM show, which is pretty exciting. And this is also the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, so um, let's talk about ourselves a little bit and introduce ourselves and, uh, and why we're here and why you're listening to it. So you want to start that? Yeah. Shall I? Yeah. Okay. Well, my name is Dan. I'm a horrible guitar player that started at the age of seven. I got to confess at the very beginning that I'm an Ibanez geek through and through because it was my first guitar and my, basically my first love and always gravitated towards that brand. You know, I had different guitars and everything. So yeah, but I'm a big, big, big guitar geek, so to say, and I'm you know, following all websites and all the news. and. Yeah, luckily I was able to also get a job in the industry, so I'm at the moment taking care of Ibanez Germany and a couple other territories. Um, yeah, but this should not be, or should not prevent me from talking about other brands or anything like that. It's even more interesting because uh, it gives a little bit different view on, on certain things. But one of the main premises of this podcast is to be positive. This is supposed to be a podcast of positivity. We don't want to. We don't want to start rants about stuff that we don't like, or you know, call out people or anything. This is really just something. I want to. You know, when when Andy and I talked about launching a podcast like this, I was thinking like I would love to listen to a podcast that's just positive. You know, I can put it on, and after I listen to it for 10, 15, 20 minutes, I just have a good feeling when I start right away with that. So. Yeah. Well, I just learned some stuff about you, Dan. I, I didn't know. I mean, Dan and I know each other, but um, this—it's a very uh, what's the word? A very <laughs> beginning of a of a long friendship. We don't see each other very often. Yeah. But I, I guess I should introduce myself. This is Andy, and I'm also known on YouTube as the Guitar Geek, and I also appear on the Toman YouTube channels. So you might recognise these dulcet tones. And this is the first podcast I've been involved with. And much like Dan, I'm just totally in love with guitars. And that's why I said yes when Dan said, hey, we should do something together on a podcast. Because I went through that phase of playing a tennis racket when I was very, very young. Uh, not so good tones. The tones weren't great. I know we're being positive, but that wasn't the best guitar I've ever played. Heavy strings, though. Heavy, very heavy strings. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. I, very good. Stayed in tune. Really good. Then the next one was a, um, a plastic, you know, thing, and then I eventually played something of a friend's and did the classic, you know, pretending to be a rock star photos, just for photos, and then I hit at about 12, I discovered Nirvana, and that made me want to play guitar, I wanted to make that noise, and I had my first guitar was a Hona LX90. Uh, which I, I recently, we'll tell, talk about that some other time, but I recently got it back. And it's not the easiest guitar to learn on, put it that way. So um, I'm looking forward to talking about guitars, um, high-end guitars, fancy guitars, ugly guitars, beautiful guitars, 
but also beginner's guitars and, and things that really help people learn to play an instrument. So I've run out of steam, but uh, I'm going to pass you back to Dan, I think. <laughs> well, it's pretty interesting uh, because I had the very same experience when I started playing the guitar. I bought a non-Ibanez guitar at some point. It was a Squire Stage Master with a reverse headstock and two humbuckers just because I loved the look. And it was purple. That was pretty cool. It was non-black, you know, so it would you know, be different to what others would play. But this was a hor horrible, horrible instrument, you know. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really, like the tram wouldn't stay in tune and the neck didn't feel great and there was that fret sprout all over the place. And how spoiled are we nowadays that even like super cheap instruments, they feel incredibly nice, they resonate well and they sound great and they're always like a, a great like bone for, for modding and, and upgrading stuff. And I really like this tendency that you get a lot bang for the buck and there are so many cool brands. I mean, obviously you as a, as a Toman guy, you get to review a lot of Harley Benton stuff and get to, you know, try out prototypes and whatever. So this is super interesting. And on my side as well, you know, when I see in last year at NAMM, um, I was lucky enough to get to see like one of the head, headless bass prototypes. And I was so, you know, that freaked me out that someone would show me a brand new guitar that they came up with and would explain details and would actually ask me, what do you think about this? Do you think this was, would sell? Do you see any, anything that, you know, you would do differently? It's just something like a little, little boy's dream come true, you know. And still to this day, and this is probably an interesting or maybe even a nerdy side fact, every year the new Ibanez catalog, I switch it on manually on like a couple minutes after 12 on New Year's Eve. And this is just pure joy, you know what? <laughs> I'm interested to know, so your first guitar was an Ibanez. Yeah. And now you are kind of Mr. Ibanez in, in at least my region where I exist. How did you get from, from loving Ibanez to, to where you are now? Oh, that was not planned, not at all. Actually, I, I well now we we are in a serious topic now, in the, like the the professional background kind of thing. But I went to school. I was I was into literature and English language and a little bit of math and economics. But you know, I was all right. I was doing okay. And then I studied media economics in a small town in the Thuringian woods in the middle of nowhere. That went pretty well, and actually, I like considered working. I don't know in the media, somehow, but I every year I would go to a music messe in Frankfurt. I always would go to Mrs. Meinl and would buy like a new Ibanez T-shirt, so she knew me already. Uh, for for her, I was always like the Ibanez freak, Dan, the Ibanez freak. So I went there, and at a certain point during my studies, I had to do like a mandatory uh, internship. I thought like, well, where do you want to go? And, I went to, like, I had an offer from Vodafone, like the telephone company in Dusseldorf, Germany, and I was there and I, I passed, like, the, the interview and it was, it went great, but then I, I walked through the city and I just, like, fell in that deep hole that I thought, like, ah, I don't want to do this. And, like, a couple couple days later, I received an email uh, where Mrs. Smiley replied to my, to my um, application and she said, well, we usually don't work with, with people from universities, but why don't you just swing by and we have a talk? And then I went there and we had a very good talk and the company was much, much smaller at that time. Minor distribution, Ivanis Distributor was half the size that, that we have now. And that was pretty cool. You know, I got to spend six, six months there and I, I think they liked what I did. And then after I, 
uh, went back to university. I finished my, my studies, my diploma, and then worked a little bit at university, earned my PhD. And then at a certain point, I met Mr. Meinl at Messe again and asked him, well, uh, what's, what's up? And he's like, oh, we're you know, internationalizing a little bit. We try to expand different territories. And by the way, what, what do you like major in? And I told him, well, international management, business development, basically. And so he just like, you could see that he was, you know, touching his, his chin and he went, well, we should probably have a talk. And then a couple of weeks later, it was December 12th or December 13th, like end of month, uh, end of the year kind of. And uh, I went to, to Gutenstetten and we had a talk there. And from there, yeah, it just took off. And first I was in charge of the Dario in the company. And then uh, at a certain point, the position as like the, the, the brand manager for Ibanez was vacant. And uh, actually, Mr. Meinl asked me, do you want to do it? Because you're like one person I could totally see in this position. I said, well, yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's a story from there. And uh, I did never regret that way so far because it's always fun. And uh, whenever I, every morning I just get up and I'm, I'm, I just think like, great, what, I'm, what am I going to do today? You know, you never know what's, what's going to happen, but it's also not that kind of, uh, I don't know, eight to five job where every day is the same. It's pretty much the total opposite. It's so diverse and uh, also talk, um, talking and, and working with, with the Japanese guys is just a, a pleasure. You know, they're among the most humble people I've ever met and uh, I've always become friends, already become friends with so many of them. It's just, it's like family and this is something that we also try to you know, try to nurture and, and cultivate to some degree. And also not just family among like within our company, but also with guys like you and the Toman team and other dealers in, in Germany. You know, we have a big a network of, of dealers and it's just a lot of fun to, to work with those guys. And uh, I appreciate that kind of human component in the job, you know. But now vice versa, you are a Brit who lives in Austria and works in Germany. That is a kind of awkward constellation, but could you, could you tell and elaborate a little bit more how that came about? Yeah, sure. I mean, firstly, it was really interesting to listen to you say that. And I just want to um, reinforce that we are not an Ibanez Toman podcast. We are totally independent. Of course, we're going to talk about our jobs because this is episode zero in which we introduce ourselves. However, my journey began once I'd stopped listening to Nirvana or listened to other things apart from Nirvana was covers bands, I worked in entertainment bars, I worked at holiday parks, singing, dancing, serving beer, and then I just kept saying yes to things, like, like seeing things, like being inspired by people on stages, and I've, I've been on stage all, almost all my life in one form or another. And I even had a gig uh, for two years as a piano player, and I can't even play piano. But I could sing and kind of jam out something on a piano and entertain people. So I've always worked with music and people. And then when I was running an entertainment bar in Swansea, in Wales, uh, this was in 2009, we had the financial crisis, and they basically made me redundant. So a friend and I, um, who was also working in the club with me, said, well, let's use this as an opportunity. And we got into my car, which was a Ford Escort estate in green. Uh, and it was a, a real shed of a car. And we said, well, let's, let's go traveling. So we went from Swansea to across the country of, of um, the UK to Kent. 
Then we went down to Dover and to France, traveled through France, and I fell in love with France. And then I, had, I took a guitar with me just in case I wanted to play an acoustic guitar and a, uh, a Roland Cube Street in red that I bought in Andertons. And it was really fun because I knew the, the Andertons from, from the internet a little bit. And then we just had this amp and a mic, an SM58 and a mic stand just in the car. We just took loads of stuff. We also took like, like waterproof trousers and, and tools in case we got jobs doing stuff like that. We were up for anything. And we had jobs building boats at one point, which didn't actually come to fruition. But anyway, we came back to that. We were in a place called Lyon in France. And the car was parked on the, on the street in the 8th district. And we went off quite literally partying on the streets. Like It was a great life. And the car had been broken into. And most of our stuff was gone. And they took all my friends' clothes. They left my clothes. They took one look at my shirts and said, nah, <laughs> nah. Not these flowery designs that I was wearing back in the mid-2000s. Um, but I had on my back my guitar and the amp and the mic. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm a street musician now. So we went out and so nervous. I don't know if anybody listening to this has done street music, but it's one of the most freeing things you can do as a musician because you just create a stage anywhere. And so I had this um, Yamaha uh, single cutaway, horrible. I know we're being positive, but it was, it was set up horribly by me. And it seemed to be I'm the, I was the only one that could play it. So I put this SM58 up, put the mic stand up, um, plugged the guitar in and just started playing. And then we were earning like 100 euros an hour doing this. And my friend was like doing like the business manager. He, we, we wrote out business cards and gave them out to people. We got booked at a wedding. We got booked at loads of bars. Um, and it was here in Lyon that I met my now girlfriend. We were in this uh, Arabic bar and the, my back to the future moment happened where the, we were in this bar because they had the coldest beer in Lyon. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. And it just happened to be next door to where we had the car parked, where we lived in our car. <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, there was a, a band there, but an Arabic music band. And the guy behind the bar said, okay, the guitar player's injured or ill. Does anyone know how to play guitar? I'm like, I've got one with me right now. So then I joined this band with like, uh, I, I don't know what the instrument is like. Udu, udu, udu. Someone listening will correct me now, but um, drums that are very Arabic sounding and me on acoustic guitar playing songs from the 60s and, and stuff with this Arabic influence. And it was one of the greatest gigs of my life. And then, of course, the relationship with that girl in that bar turned into a real relationship. And a few years later, I'm in Austria. And then went to Tolman for the first TGU and begged them for a job slash told them they needed me on their team. And it's 2020 now, and I'm on the way to NAM for the second time for Tolman. And I guess it's just come from always being uh, positive about things and saying yes, and, and always living slightly outside of my comfort zone. So I'm always slightly like not comfortable, and I love that because so much fun can happen, um, which is my excuse for not practicing guitar very much, because I like to choose the notes on stage. <laughs> Um, but Dan, I'd like to ask you another question to get off the, the Tolman Ibanez thing and right. say, what are your three favorite guitars of all time? Any brand, any era, uh, anything. So what, what, what three comes, comes to your mind? Um, visually, definitely a Les Paul because it's got that female look to it. 
you know, the body shape is just absolutely perfect. And also, I was always a fan of the Gibson Les Paul Custom with the multiply binding. That was super sexy. Which color? Uh, I had one a oh that's an interesting story. I, back in the day, I ha had a Gibson Les Paul Custom Plus in tobacco kind of has a had a flame maple top and kind of tobacco sunbursty finish, uh, and that guitar used to belong to a uh, an actor. There's a t there was a TV show back in the day called uh, Ein Bayer auf Rügen, like a Bavarian a Bavarian on Rügen, which is a, an island in north of, of Germany. And this actor, he had a, a bicycle accident and um, had to repair his bike, so he sold a couple of guitars, and that guitar, you know, landed on eBay. And I, sh you know, three, two, one, it belonged to me pretty quickly, and um, I played it for quite some time. But I, you know, I absolutely loved the aesthetics of it, but I could never get along with the G-string. This might sound wrong, totally wrong, but with the G-string of the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like from the aesthetics, it's an absolutely incredible instrument, and also like of course Ibanez um, RG or Ibanez S. It's just th there's something about the headstock of the Les Paul and of, of an Ibanez guitar that that are just perfect. You know, there are headstocks and there are headstocks. You know, L ESP LTD and you know Chapman and Jackson. They all have different headstocks, but I w always felt that kind of I don't know love. When I when I saw an Ibanez headstock and also uh, a Gibson headstock, um, yeah. But back in the, yeah, I don't know when, like a couple of years, a couple of years ago, I sold that Les Paul because I I couldn't even play live because it would just go out of tune and I w I got frustrated and I I'm not a big fan of case queens. You know, I I own a lot of guitars, but I try to play them as much as I can. And whenever I get a feeling that a certain guitar does not get out of the case at least once or twice a year. I just, you know, make up my mind and probably sell it. And uh, yeah, and what third guitar? That's an in interesting question. Actually, um, I think the Music Man John Petrucci model was a very, very interesting model that I bought back in the day because Ibanez did not have a guitar that was piezo equipped. I played in a cover band and we always had those, you know, awkward pauses between songs when I had to switch between acoustic and electric guitar. But with the pure electric guitar, it didn't it did not really sound right. So um, at that time, there was a guy who who who, who played in a polka polka band, you know, and he he played a JP6 fully loaded in Mystic Dream, and but he wanted to get rid of it to I think to buy a PRS or any something fan fancy, you know. So uh, he made me a pretty good offer, and it was the day after my diploma exam, that he called and said, well, you know this is the offer, do you want to buy it? And I said, you know what, yeah. <laughs> little treat for myself. And I always felt that that was a very well thought guitar with a lot of ergonomic choices that were brave at that time. You know, nowadays it's, it's you know, there are a lot, every guitar has a bevel and a belly cut somewhere and fancy, fancy scoops and everything. But back in the day, I really thought that this was a, that this was a, a next step in, in the evolution of the guitar. And I, I really liked it. It has a great knack and uh, it, played great. The sound was never something where I said, well, this is 100% where I want it to be, but uh, you know, as a gigging musician, when you play top 40, you can, you can probably live with 95% too, if you know, everything fits very well in the mix and you get the option to go from a good acoustic sound to a rocking electric sound. So yeah, that, that guitar served me very well. I actually still own it. So whenever you're at my house, feel free to play it. And then check out the uh, 
25 other Ibanez electrics that I've hoarded there. Yeah, what about you? Like, your top three picks? Okay, I realized halfway through you were talking that I'd have to answer the same question. <laughs> so I was listening, but I was also choosing my answers. And I have to sort of preface this with saying my, cho my choices change almost weekly. But there are some that will always stay with me. So I don't know if I can keep it to three, but I'll try. I'm going to just go for my top guitars that have sort of influenced me. And the first one has to be, correct me now if I'm wrong, but it's an ES-345 in the Back to the Future movie. I think it's a 345. Red one, yeah. And so the red one, Martin McFly plays it, you know, he does all this amazing guitar work, which is mimed, but you know, it, it's amazing. It's an iconic movie that changed my life. And that's why that guitar, even though I haven't actually played that guitar, that, that's why that's sticking there, because it made me play guitar. So now that's done. <laughs> the guitar I haven't played. <laughs> the second one has got to be something that inspired me in my sort of teens and my rocking years uh, and it's another Gibson actually it's a Gibson SG just the Gibson SG standard but with a batwing pickguard I think it's just ergonomically and aesthetically beautiful nothing the, the, the head tilts and stuff I'm such a big guy that and I play quite hard and I, I hold the guitar quite heavy I've never noticed a, a neck dive because I'm holding onto the thing. And I, I think, well, neck dive doesn't really affect my playing because I'm holding the guitar with my hands. Um, so that's two Gibsons down. <laughs> um, number, th oop, number three, um, and this is going to sound like a plant, is the Ibanez AZ. Because um, if I had one guitar only, and I do often go travel to hotels, I can only take one guitar with me, it is my Ibanez AZ because it kind of does everything and it has a roasted maple neck, which I could just, if I wanted to, I could leave it in the car in the winter and then take it out in the spring and it would still be in tune. So as, a, as you were referring to the Les Paul earlier, but you can't trust the, the G-string or the tuning stability, the AZ series just, I don't know why it's, it just stays in tune and it's very reliable as a, as a working man's instrument. So that's three. <laughs> I'm gonna go for my Fender Custom Shop Tele because it has the most gorgeous neck I've ever played. And I bought that guitar, which was a lot of money, without ever plugging it in. Because I just, I happened to be shooting something at Toman, and I just was waiting for Chris to do something, and I just reached my hand out and grabbed the first thing that came to me. And I put my hand on this neck, it's like, oh my God. It was like it was built for me. And the same guitar Rob Chapman was considering buying, and a few other people had looked at it and said, this is a great telly. So I knew it was great plugged in. I'd heard it, but I just said, nope, that's for me. I'll take it. Um, and I, there's, there's more on the list. You know, I'll update this list you know, weekly and uh, give you my top three, because it will change, and maybe it'll become, um, they'll come back around again. You know? So I don't really know where we're going to go from here, but we're going to go to Nam. So we're going to see some new guitars. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk about things we could be excited about seeing. So the future, because uh, obviously the, you're listening to this, this has possibly gone out in the past, so we're talking NAM that's already happened. And I'm interested to look at Manson guitars. Since the Matt Bellamy takeover, that's, that's a huge thing to have an artist, and such a prolific artist, now having a hand in building guitars. I'm also interested in more fuzz pedals. 
because I only own about 50 and I need some more fuzz pedals. Obviously. Obviously. And um, I'm going to try Bad Cat Amps. Because I've been talking to those people, and they seem very nice people, and they've invited me over, so I'm, I'm excited. And a lot of people say good things. There are, of course, many other things I want to check out, um, but that'll do for now. What about you? Well, I know you're there for Ibanez, but is there stuff that you're excited about checking out? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, I wanted to take a closer look at the new Paul Gilbert panel, the JHS PG-14. You already did an interview with him at Guitar Summit last year when he would play a prototype of it. And I'm, I'm just really intrigued to see, you know, what, how, how does it sound like and why he would come up with a, with a pedal, you know. Because Paul is a very picky player and he really knows what he wants to hear. So it's interesting. And JHS, they are so, so great when it comes to marketing. Did you, did you see their, their ad with, with Paul? It's hilarious. So... Uh, this is something interesting. Um, what else? I mean, of course, we have a big launch at uh, the Ibanez booth. Um, this episode is very likely going live when it all has already surfaced. So we're going to see a new Steve Vai signature guitar called the Pia Passion in Art. Uh, we'll probably take a much closer look and, and talk about that in the next episode. But this is a big, big launch because the his original gem, the Gem 7V, was a mainstay in the Ibanez portfolio for 26 years. It's a an incredible run. I mean, and we've we've I don't know how many how many pieces they've sold, but I, you you will probably find a gem in every music store in the world. And um, yeah, for and for Steve, it was a conscious dis- uh, decision to to stop the production of the gem and move it into the Pia, which is a brave move. And uh, I mean, Steve is just such a I shall put I shall put such a very well rounded musician that he knows what he wants when it comes to playing the guitar, but he's also very artistic. And if those two worlds merge, always something spectacular comes out. And uh, unfortunately, there already was a leak about the guitars that uh, did not really do the guitars justice. But I'm really psyched to see see those in the flesh. And, and touch them and really check them out. And uh, apart from that, I mean, there are so many interesting, interesting launches at at, uh, at Nam. Um, definitely got to check out what uh, Fender has up their sleeves. <laughs> they have revived quite a few older models. Um, and I think there was a an anniversary as well, 40th anniversary for I don't know, Maiden guitars. I might I might be mistaken, but anyways, there are, there are so many so many great things that you already see, or that, that we already saw on on social media, and it's also one of the great things we we've, we started with positivity, and this is uh, probably something to conclude with, that nowadays I mean social media is stressing out people so at some point, but it's also such a great source of inspiration if you just want to dive in, you know, you're a little bit bored and stuck in a rut, and you want to, you know, explore more options and more you know tonal palettes and you go online check out a couple of youtube videos probably some from the guitar geek youtube channel or i don't know and then you discover something and it and it, it just speaks to you and this has already has happened so often to me that it just inspired me to write songs and, and, and pick up a piece of gear and just take it from there and it becomes a mainstay on my my pedal board and it's it's uh, so incredible. So so this part of Nam is also big fun to just you know stray around and just check out what what is there and maybe discover something that you did not have on the radar when you you know you approach it with no 
expectation and it just blows you away. Uh, the, for example, the, the, the kind of plasma pedal that was released like two or three years ago. Yeah, Game Changer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, that looked cool, but that sounded great. And I know <laughs> it's, it's often hidden, but this pedal is already on so many recordings of big stars. It's ridiculous, you know, so... Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking for those kind of gems, not gems with J, but gems with a G um, that are kind of hidden. And uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure to discover them. And uh, well, well, basically, shall we Yeah, take it from there and uh, yeah, maybe conclude this first or zero episode? Sure. I, yeah, I just want to say like thank you to everyone who... Uh, switched this channel on and who's checking that out we, we just want to you know talk gear and, and entertain you guys and have fun and I'm, I'm super happy that andy agreed to co-host this whole thing and we just want to you know give you all the information also check out the instagram channel that we have it's called guitar stories podcast you can find us there and we give our best to give you like all the news and also behind the scenes information you know uh, about new products not just uh, Harley Benton and Ibanez stuff but also all the other great brands that are that are out there and uh, yeah so final words from you Andy I guess I just want to explain that I am sitting on the top deck of an aeroplane right now recording into an SM57 mic on a little Tascam DR10 and I want to assure the people listening to this, so you, dear listener, that the audio quality will improve. But we thought it would be fun to be the first podcast in the world to start on an airplane. So I'll just echo what Dan said. Thank you for listening. And I'm really looking forward to bringing positive, exciting guitar stuff to you. And um, if there's anything ever you ever want, then let us know and we'll, I guess we'll cover it. We have an exciting interview coming up in the real episode number one. Should we mention it, Dan? Yeah. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you back to Dan. I'll say goodbye and thank you for listening. Dan will introduce you to our episode one. All right. Well, in episode one, we'll touch base on a few things that uh, we discovered in Nam, and we'll have a a great interview with Paul Gilbert on the first episode, where he's geeking out 25 minutes about gear, and uh, you know, since we're a very gear-centric and, and geeky channel. I tried my best to not ask like the ordinary questions that people come up and then try to keep the nerd level at 100%. So I'm looking forward to, to your reactions on this episode. And uh, yeah, well, that's it for episode zero. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave us a comment or a, a rating on iTunes or wherever you are listening to that. Uh, check out the Instagram channel. Or if you want to send us an email with ho hopefully a lot of positive uh, energy, send an email to guitarstoriespodcast at gmail.com and uh, we'll reply to every single email. I promise. So thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye.